Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This current series of messages is on the book of Acts, showing its relevance for today as a pattern book for the operation of the Holy Spirit through the church. Be sure also to get a copy of Kevin's commentary on the book of Acts. Visit kevinconnor.org for details. And uh, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 3 tonight. We've been a number of weeks on uh, the uh, Acts chapter 1 and 2, which are foundation chapters. But we're going to look at a few things in Acts chapter 3 tonight. Now what we find in the book of Acts here, Acts chapter 3, we'll read a few verses, but Acts chapter 3 and 4 actually belong together because they concern the healing of the lame man at the gate beautiful. And uh, as uh, trying to remember who said that, I think it was Billy Sunday said that this man at the gate uh, of the temple, which is called beautiful, uh, he was lame and he asked for arms and instead of arms he got legs. playing on English words there. So uh, chapter 3 and 4 sort of belong together. We have the, the uh, miraculous healing in chapter 3 and then uh, we have Peter's second sermon which we're going to be looking at to, uh, tonight and then in Acts chapter 4 we find that the, uh, the apostles are hauled on the carpet uh, for uh, having a miracle of healing. <coughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? All right, so let's read uh, Acts chapter 3, and we'll pick up in verse uh, 12, I think, through to the close of the chapter. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Uh, We haven't got the type of time to read the whole chapter, but why don't you look at verse 4 and compare it with verse 12 because a man uh, who's at the gate beautiful has been lame for many years and uh, as I've studied this over the years I often wonder because he was laid there uh, daily at the gate of the temple I often wonder when Jesus ministered at the temple why he didn't heal this man maybe he left it for left something for the church to do when he went back to the Father. But this man had been carried daily to the uh, temple and laid at the uh, gate called Beautiful, uh, apparently for a long time. And we know that Jesus didn't heal everybody just sort of willy-nilly uh, when he went to the pool of Bethesda. All those people were waiting for the moving of the water and all believed in healing, were all ready to jump in the water uh, when the angel moved the water. But Jesus just went right through the crowd and picked out one person and healed him. And in that case, he said, uh, when he found him later on, go and sin no more. So uh, I wonder why the Lord Jesus didn't heal this man. He must have been there for uh, a while by the sound of it because he was above 40 years of age uh, in the scripture here. But Peter and John are the ones. So in, uh, in verse 4, as Peter and John are going into the temple to pray, they're on the way to a prayer meeting, not coming from a prayer, a prayer meeting. Uh, the, uh, verse 4 says, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. So to the man in need, he said, look on us. But when we get to verse 12, it's just the opposite. When the people gather together and uh, are amazed at the healing of this man who went uh, leaping and walking and praising God into the temple, uh, all the people came together in verse 12. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, "Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? And why look ye so earnestly on us? Now to the man in need, uh, he said, look on us. But in verse 12 he says to the people, well, why look on us? 
because it's not by our own power or holiness we have made this man to walk. A very important point in that area is this, that gifts of the Spirit are no evidence of holiness. And that's, that's been a very hard lesson for me to learn over the years, uh, particularly in the Pentecostal charismatic world, that gifts of the Spirit are no evidence of holiness. So Peter was saying here, it's not by our power or our holiness that we made this man to walk, but uh, verse 16 tells you, and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So it wasn't by Peter's power or Peter's holiness, but it was by the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said hallelujah. Picking up from uh, verse uh, 13 now. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before hath showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Now, as I read through verses 18 through to 26, which we'll be, uh, we'll be majoring on in our session together, you'll notice the use of the word prophets and also the use of the word R, or the letter R, which we're going to pick up about five R's that are mentioned here and uh, authorized. So uh, verse 18, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he had so fulfilled, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times or the seasons of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began." For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people, yea, uh, yea and all the prophets. From Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days, Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Pray that the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Now just a very few thoughts, just brief thoughts on just the first part of the chapter. As we've already mentioned, Peter and John are up to, on the way to the temple to pray, the hour of prayer, and they see this man at the gate called Beautiful, and he'd been carried there daily. And so as Peter and John say to him, you look on us, he expected to receive something from them. And uh, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth, in uh, talking to a Catholic uh, priest one time, 
as he was showing him around the Vatican or some uh, Catholic uh, uh, building, the Catholic priest uh, said to Smith Wigglesworth, I'm afraid we can't say like Peter used to say, silver and gold have I none. <coughs> and of course, Smith Wigglesworth turned around and said to the Catholic priest, and neither can you say, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Maybe there's some connection because generally rich churches are not powerful churches. The church, the early church, was born in prayer. It was a powerful church. It wasn't a rich church. And even though in the previous chapter or the following chapter, maybe it is a couple of chapters later, they lay the money at the apostles' feet, uh, Peter says, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And uh, so he, he took him by the right hand, so there was a point of contact there physically, and lifted him up, and immediately God got into action. His feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping and walking, how many of you remember when we used to sing that? Leaping and walking and praising God. Uh, went into the temple praising God. And of course everybody in the temple wasn't very happy about the behavior never ceases to amaze me in the Gospels or the book of Acts how when people were miraculously healed, the Pharisees never seemed happy about it. They'd rather keep their church meeting dead and decent and in order and dead and see somebody healed, especially if uh, Jesus had a, had a unique way of healing people on the Sabbath. So they would rather keep their blessed Sabbath and no sweat on the Sabbath and see a man healed. I'd rather see a man healed, wouldn't you? And forget the day. Because the day was made, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So which is more important? No sweat, that's what they believed in. All right, and uh, so uh, in the next chapters we'll see they are uh, taken to court on the thing and uh, put on the carpet about he the healing of this man. Instead of the people rejoicing, or the particularly religious leaders, uh, they're quite agitated about it. All right, now, as you go over to verse 13, we uh, noticed this last week that nearly every sermon in the book of Acts deals with the basic things of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, why don't you just turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because we said that in the book of Acts there are about seven sermons uh, that Peter gave us and also uh, seven sermons that Paul gave us. So we have about 14 apostolic sermons in the book of Acts. And uh, they have certain ingredients which we'll, we'll uh, confirm again as we did in our last session. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And probably this is the simplest and most uh, condensed definition of what I believe the gospel is. So 1 Corinthians 15 and verses 1 through to 6 at least. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings, which I preached unto you, so preaching the gospel, and which ye also received, where and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. That's a favorite expression of Paul. I have uh, uh, delivered unto you what I received. For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you. So Paul received it and delivered it. 
For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Number one, how, that. And in my Bible I've circled a number of that's here. It's sort of a, uh, uh, a real um, condensed summary of what the gospel is. Number one, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So the death of Christ, Christ died. Number two, and that he was buried, the burial of Christ. So Christ died, Christ was buried. Number three, that and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So his resurrection, the death, burial and resurrection. Verse five, next that and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. And verse 6, the next that, after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. And then uh, the next that, after that, he was seen of James. So you note that Christ died, that Christ was buried, that he rose again, and that he was seen, that he was seen, that he was seen. And last of all, verse 8, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time, an abortive, born to... Uh, and when Paul says he was an abortive uh, and born out of due time, what I believe Paul is saying, I believe Paul f felt he was premature in his birth because the revelation that Paul had concerned the end-time church and the bride of Christ. And he felt, I've just been aborted, I've been born too soon because the revelation that God gave him of the church was for the second coming second coming generation. Alright, so I just want to draw your attention to that, to the gospel. Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose again, and Christ was seen. Okay, back to Acts chapter uh, 3 now, and we pick up the same basic historical facts concerning the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, which we saw in our, uh, the Pentecostal message of chapter 2. So uh, Acts uh, chapter 3 verse 13, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, uh, the God of our fathers, so we've referred to that trinity of men before, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, a trinity of men, each of these men manifesting characteristics of the Godhead, Abraham a type of the Father, Isaac a type of the Son, and Jacob a type of the Holy Spirit. Those uh, three men, trinity of men again. All right, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you... And I'll just spell them out here because I want to get into the, uh, the rest of the sermon here, Peter. So, whom ye delivered up. So, number one, Christ arrest. His arrest. Number two, and denied him. His, his trial uh, by the religious and political leaders. Number three, you denied the holy and the just. So, his innocence. Uh, and, and in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go, his innocence declared by Pilate, I am innocent of the blood of this just man, and uh, his uh, righteousness, he's the holy and just one. And then verse 15, his death, you killed the prince of life. And then his resurrection, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are wit witnesses whom we have seen. So you have the same basic facts of the gospel, right? Just uh, condensed there. His arrest, his trial, his innocence, uh, his death, his resurrection. And then, of course, we have his glorification. In Back to verse 13. Uh, God hath glorified his son Jesus. So 
practically in every message of the Gospels, we have these basic facts of the Gospel. Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose again, Christ was seen, Christ ascended, Christ was glorified. That's sort of, in a nutshell, that's the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when they preach Christ, and as far as I can gather, every sermon of the book of Acts, except Paul, I think, missed it once, as we'll see later on, when he went down to, uh, uh, went down to Athens, he didn't even mention the name of Jesus. And he tried to use the Greek poets and the Greek philosophy to try and win the Athenians. As we'll see later on when he got to Corinth, after his, I believe, a boo-boo down in Athens, he said, when I came to you at Athens, uh, in Corinth, and trembling, and I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because he tried to win the Athenians with the wisdom of their own philosophy. But he says in that same epistle, the gospel is foolishness under man, but it's the wisdom of God. And I'd rather trust in the foolishness of God than in the wisdom of men, wouldn't you? That's it. I'd, and he says the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. I'd rather trust the weakness of God than trust the strength of men, wouldn't you? Amen. All right, so they are the basic things of the gospel. Now, go down to verse... Um, 18 onwards, and I want you to notice uh, two words we're going to pick up here, or two, two major thoughts. The use of the word prophets. So in verse 18, God uh, has showed before by the mouth of all his prophets. And then in verse uh, 21, uh, which God had spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Verse 22, Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Verse 23, shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet. And then verse 24, yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Verse 25, you are the children of the prophets. So we have a whole emphasis on prophets here. Then if you're taking uh, down notes here, I want you to uh, note the use of uh, five R's here. And I'll put these on the overhead. Verse 1, we have the word repent, the first R. And then the second R we have in verse 19 is refreshing. I'll put these on the overhead uh, projector in a moment. And then verse 21, the next R we have here is whom the heaven must receive. And uh, the word receive there, by the way, as we'll see, means retain. And then number five, the next R we have is in verse 21, whom the heaven must uh, receive until the times of restitution. All right, now, let's look at what we've got here and just uh, work through these uh, five R's first of all in uh, Peter's second sermon. Now, another interesting thing here is this, that in the book of Acts so far, in Acts chapter 2, uh, each sermon in the book of Acts, particularly the early chapters, was preceded by a miracle. So on the day of Pentecost, the miracle was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the speaking in tongues and the gathering together of the 3,000 and the multitude of people there. So then Peter pre uh, began to preach the gospel. So uh, he, he, uh, there was the miracle first, then the preaching of the word. And then in this case, 
Acts chapter 3, we have the miracle of the lame man. So both of them are physical miracles. The first was a physical miracle in the tongue, uh, linguistic miracle, uh, people speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then now this is a physical miracle, a lame man being healed, instantly healed. It was actually a miracle of healing. Uh, generally speaking, as we've seen, uh, healing is a gradual thing, but a miracle of healing uh, is an instantaneous thing. So this was a miracle of healing, and I believe we're getting into real apostolic ministry in gifts of the Spirit. So a miracle of healing and faith. So I believe there's a gift of faith because he didn't even pray for him. He just spoke the word of faith and see, when the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of faith is speaking the word. Jesus said, if you speak to a mountain, don't pray to the mountain, but speak to the mountain. So this was a, a sort of an overlapping of the power gifts, the gifts of demonstration, gift of faith, gift of miracles, and gift of healing in this case. That's what we see here. So uh, the miracle in, in, in these chapters preceded the message. Now let's pick up the words here. The first thing uh, Peter says here is in verse 19, repent ye therefore. Now we've, we've mentioned this before so I don't need to labor the point. Day of Pentecost when they heard this they were pricked, uh, pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. So here's the whole message of repentance. And you'll notice uh, that uh, two things involved in repentance here. Repent ye therefore and be converted. So that whole thought of, of conversion uh, is right about turn. As uh, someone has put it, what is repentance? So repentance is uh, where, you're, uh, where you're, you're sort of running away from God with your back toward God. Repentance is right about face. Change of mind and now coming towards God. That's repentance, a change of mind and it's a change of direction. So that's the, the whole thought we have here. So first word of the gospel, notice he doesn't say only believe, only believe. First word of the gospel always is repentance, the doctrine of repentance, the change of mind towards God and towards sin. And be converted. Okay, so conversion, repentance perceives conversion. In fact, why don't you uh, turn over to Luke's gospel chapter, I think it's 22 on this. I think it is. Um, yes, Luke, Luke chapter 22. Listen to, uh, and remember Jesus is talking to Peter, and it's Peter that's talking here uh, as the, spokes, the spokesman. Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So when you're converted, so we know Peter's lapse in denying the Lord, but there came that time when the Lord sent the message, go and tell the disciples that I'm risen, and Peter. And Peter was turned back again, converted, and turned back to the Lord. So repentance involves conversion and also the blotting out of sins. The blotting out of sins. Uh, we don't always have time to turn to a lot of the uh, language here, but uh, under, under one of the Old Testament sacrifices, the priest would take 
like hyssop and that, and certain sacrifice, and he would blot out things that took place back there. And so that's the language here, blotting out. How, rem how many are old enough to remember the pen and ink days and the blotter that we used to use? <laughs> Anybody old enough for that here? Oh, we, most of us. Amazes me. All right, so blotting out. So sin's blotting out. So repentance involves change your mind, change your direction, conversion, and sin's blotted out. Now, notice the next R here, that your sins may be blotted out when the times, or literally the times, of refreshing, seasons of refreshing. And the allusion here is to the early and latter rains, the early and latter rains, when the seasons of refreshing shall come, so where from? So the refreshing, the next hour we have here, the refreshing comes from where? Everybody say it with me. The presence of the Lord. How many appreciate the presence of the Lord? And, uh, you know, Sunday is really a day of rest, but how many know that most of us are busier on Sunday than the other days? But uh, when the presence of the Lord is here, you're refreshed. I'm refreshed, aren't you? I'm refreshed in the presence of the Lord. So there's a refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. And that's the thought that we have here. So times or seasons of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Now, who is the Lord here in, uh, in verse 19? Is it the Father or is it the Son? How many would say the Father? How many would say the Son? How many haven't got a hand? How many are frightened of getting caught? Okay, the Lord here is the Father. Now, the Father is Lord, and Jesus is Lord. We've seen that in Acts 2. The Lord said unto my Lord, but let's see that the Lord here is the Father. So I'll read it again and flow on into verse 20. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the seasons of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he, the Father, shall send Jesus Christ the Son. Is that right? So the Lord here is the Father. So the presence of the Father, seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, the Father here, and he, the Father, shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Now, we've got on the diagram here that uh, the, the Father sent the Son in the first coming, okay? The Father sent the Son in the first coming. So he was sent the first time. And the whole Gospel of John is the Gospel of the sent one. Over and over again in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I have not come of myself, my Father sent me. I do the will of him that sent me. I do always those things that please him. Uh, the, one of, uh, the, 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 the one who sent me. So Jesus didn't come of himself. He was sent by the Father, so he was sent the first time. Now, this word here, this uh, thought here, he will send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, he's going to send him the second time. So uh, that's why I've said before, Jesus will not come early or come late, he's going to come right on time. He came right on time the first coming, and he's going to come right on time the second coming. How many believe that? All right, so uh, the Lord, the Father, he will send Jesus Christ the second time, just like he sent him the first time, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive. Now, received into the heavens. Go back to Acts chapter 1 here, and uh, I'm sort of doing the, uh, the meaning of this word as well as uh, the word re re receive. Acts chapter 1, we've seen... 
uh, in Acts chapter 1 verse 9, we'll pick up. Acts chapter 1 verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. A cloud received him out of their sight. So he was received. And then other gospels tell us that Jesus was received into heaven. He, he was received by the Father. What a, a tremendous reception that was. He was received into heaven. So a cloud received him out of their sight. Go over to Mark chapter 16. We have the same thought here. Mark 16 and verse 19. <coughs> All right, Mark 16 and verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following, which is exactly what's taking place in the book of Acts. So Jesus was received up into heaven. All right, so that's the next thing. So repentance involving conversion, sins being blotted out, refreshing from the presence of the Lord, and reception, received into the heavens. Now, go back to Acts chapter 4, and uh, look at number 4 here, and we have this word retained, and the word received, I want you to listen carefully to this, because I've said this on previous occasions, uh, Jesus Christ would not come back tonight, or tomorrow night, or the next night because there's certain things have got to happen. Now, I have to say this again for uh, people who may be uh, uh, not quite understand me, say, well, you're putting off the coming of the Lord. No, little Kevin John Connor. All God would have to do is sneeze and I'd fall over. My point is, and see, people say this, and preachers say this sometimes, if the church will hurry up and get the job done, we'll get Jesus back sooner. And I've heard people say, well, if the early church had have done the job quicker, Jesus would have been back there and come the second time. I'm glad he didn't because you and I wouldn't have been born. And wouldn't that be a tragedy? <laughs> We'd never live to tell the tale. Huh? So my, my point is this, that the prophets prophesied of the first coming and the second coming, uh, but particularly the first coming, and nobody could hasten the first coming or postpone it. Jesus came right on time the first time. The Bible says, Galatians 4, 4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. In the fullness of time. So not a day late, not a day early. Right on time. And so it'll be the same with the second coming. Uh, he'll come right on time the second uh, time. We won't postpone it. We won't hasten it. There's a job to be done, but God's got the calendar there. And uh, just as he sent him right on time in the incarnation, He'll send him right on time, the second coming. How many are glad for that? Otherwise, if what they say, that Jesus would have come back if the early church had to finish the job, none of us would have been born. And I'm glad I've been born. I'm particularly glad I've been born again. Aren't you? But I couldn't have had the second birth without the first one. Everybody agree with that? That's good sound theology. You can't have a second birth unless you've had a first one. You can't have a spiritual birth unless you've had a natural birth. Is that true? All right, now, so this word receive literally means retained. So I'll read it this way. Whom the heaven must receive, or literally retain, and the word retain...
Huh? I don't think, you know, he's struggling to come, but the, the, the word is to hold back or restra- uh, retain him. He's retained or held back in the heavens. Until when? Brings us to our next hour. Until the restitution, and the word restitution or restoration, the restoration of all things spoken by the prophets. Restoration of all things. So we have five hours here. Repentance, refreshing, received, retain, restitution. Now, restitution of all things spoken by the prophets. Now, notice the simple diagram I've put here. He was sent the first coming. Now he, the heavens have received him, and the heavens retain him. Notice the plural, because we've got three heavens. So Peter's message is repentance, refreshing, Heavens have received Jesus Christ. They're retaining him until a certain period of time, until the restoration. Now, it doesn't say the heavens are holding Jesus back until the Antichrist comes in the front door and the church sneaks out the back door by a sneaky rapture. Now, I'm not rapturing the rapture. I believe in a rapture, but not a sneaky one. I'm going to go out victorious, aren't you? Not defeated. I don't believe what I taught many years ago that the church was going to fall away and there'd be hardly anybody left and Jesus would be looking over the balustrades of heaven and say, oh, look at that poor motley crew there. I better come down and rescue them with a secret rapture before there's nobody left. No, he's coming for a victorious church, coming for a glorious church. Now, it may look impossible and with man these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. How many believe for that? So, uh, so God's working to calendar there. He's working to his plan to come right on time. So, whom the heaven must receive until the restoration of all things which was spoken by the mouth of all the prophets, his ho- all his holy prophets since the world began. Now, what we've got to remember, and we, 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 we uh, often forget this and neglect this thought, in the early church, they didn't have the New Testament. So sometimes people have said to me over the years, well, Kevin, you know, you use the Old Testament quite a lot. I'm a New Testament man. Now that sounds so spiritual, but it really is dumb. Don't tell them I said that, will you? It's actually ignorance, because see, if you were in the early church, they had no New Testament. So what would they have done? So when they say to me, well, I'm a New Testament believer, I'm a New Testament man, the Old Testament was nailed to the cross. It's impossible to understand the Old Testament or the New Testament without the Old Testament. So I'm not an Old Testament man or a New Testament man, I'm a Bible man. Amen? Bible man. So I want you to work through some scriptures with me and notice the use in the book of Acts, uh, this theme how many times or they're constantly now remember they have no new testament so anything that god was doing in their midst they're always going back to the prophets so what i've got down here is you know restoration of all things spoken by the prophets and we'll look at that in a little while here but uh let's let's turn over first of all to a scripture in the gospel of luke 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 chapter 24 Luke chapter 24. Remind you of a beautiful scripture here. And verse 44. Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. Jesus uh, talking to the two uh, who had been on the road to Emmaus. 
And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you were witnesses of these things. So we see these Scriptures just being fulfilled in the book of Acts. So Jesus opened to them, opened their understanding uh, concerning the law and the prophets and the Psalms. All right, now let's turn back to the book of Acts. And uh, this, this diagram we sort of would go under where I've got the prophets there. So you, if you can pick that up, let's see if we can work it that way. The prophets, so the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. Let's just note some of the major verses, how all through the book of Acts, they're continually going back to what the prophets said. And instead of putting the prophets and say, oh, that's something for the Jews, or that's for the millennium, they're taking the writings of the prophets and showing how they're applicable to us. So let's look at uh, some of these scriptures here. Uh, we'll go over to, let me see our first scripture here. I've already given you uh, verse 24 here. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these things. Now, Acts chapter, uh, let me give you some ref references here. Acts 1 verses 15 to 20 which we considered under, under the, uh, the, uh, the character study on Judas, you'll notice that they quote from the Psalms. Acts chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. Verse 24, it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric another take. So they're quoting from two of the Psalms there, the Psalms of David. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, where are they going back to? In verse uh, 16. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Acts chapter 3, they refer, Moses truly said to the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you like unto me. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days, the days that you and I are living in, these days in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, these days. Uh, Acts chapter 4, when they get into the good old Pentecostal Holy Ghost prayer meeting here. Acts chapter 4, what do they do? Verse 25, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So they're quoting from David in the second psalm. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Over and over again through the book of Acts, we find them quoting the Old Testament prophets. So it's impossible to understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. Acts chapter 8, Philip is sent by the Spirit down to the desert. And in verse uh, 28, uh, 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen, uh, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, 
had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. And he was reading out loud as the custom was. And when Philip ran, as the Spirit told him, he ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. He said, do you understand what you read? He said, how can I unless someone guide me? He said, come on up into the chariot. And, uh, and, and Philip ended up having a convert. So, didn't have any New Testament, just the Old Testament. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. Acts 10, 43, and Peter is speaking again. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Let's go over to Acts chapter 13. So the thing to pick up here is all through the book of Acts, they have no New Testament, and anything that God was doing, they continue to say, oh, this is what the prophets told, the prophets foretold of these days. Acts chapter 13, pick up in verse 15, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So Paul did. And then in verse 22, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. Uh, verse 33 of the same chapter. God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And then in verse 34, I'll give you the sure mercies of David. He's quoting from Isaiah again. And then verse 35, Wherefore he saith in another psalm, You will not see you, uh, suffer your holy one to see corruption. Psalm 16. So over and over again, uh, quoting from the Old Testament. Go down to verse 40. <coughs> Beware therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Quoting from the prophet Habakkuk. And so, over and over again, Acts chapter 15, one more reference here, Acts 15. When I want to settle the issue about the, uh, the Gentiles coming into the gospel, and the Judaizing teachers trying to put them under the law of Moses, what did, uh, what did, uh, what did James do? Acts chapter 15, verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name, and to this agree the words of the prophets. Plural, as it is written, but he quotes one, one prophet. After this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. Now, if, if he had have said, I will build again the tabernacle of Moses, which is fallen down, then the Gentiles would have come in under the law. And as it says in, uh, in verse 21, For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him. So the Judaizing teachers preach Moses. The apostles were preaching Jesus. So if they had have said, I'm going to build again the tabernacle of Moses, which has fallen down, the Gentiles would have come in under the tabernacle of Moses, which is the law. But he says, no, I'm going to build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down. And so the Jew and Gentile would come into the Davidic order of worship. So over and over again, you'll find through the book of Acts, they are using the Gospels. Now, uh, are using the prophets, the Old Testament prophets. Let's go back to Acts chapter 3. Our time is just about up. All right, now as he finishes his sermon here in verse 25 of Acts 3, 
He says, You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying, Unto Abraham and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. So we have the intimation here, is right through the, through the book of Acts, the gospel goes to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. People still say, well, that's true today. No. As we go through the book of Acts, you find the gospel went to the Jew first. But they rejected it, and so Paul and Peter, and then particularly Paul said, okay, it was necessary that the gospel be preached to you first. But now you've judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life. We turn to the Gentiles, for that's what God has commanded us. So when people say today, oh, well, to the Jew first, no, the gospel went to the Jew first. And as uh, John, John's gospel says, he came unto his own. What happened? His own received him not, but to many, as many as did receive him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. That's always the principle here. All right, now let me finish on this because our time is through. We believe that uh, as we look at the early church, and don't uh, try to take this down, but we'll uh, pick it up some other time, that as we look at the early church and see all that the early church had, in the early power, the gifts of the Spirit, the truth of God and so forth. What happened over the years? We see that the church went into decline. And so from the apostolic age to the persecution age to the pagan age, papal age, decline in apostasy and into what Martin Luther referred to as the, the church's dark ages, the church's Babylonian captivity in, in the dark ages. Now God has said through the prophets all that we've lost, the years that have been lost by the canker worm, the parvel worm, and so forth, uh, I'm going to restore to you the years that have been lost. So we're talking about times of restitution, times of restoration. So in AD 1500, Reformation period, Martin Luther, justification by faith with repentance from dead works. 1600, approximate dates, restoration of water baptism. 1700, uh, the restoration of the doctrine of sanctification. 1800 approximately, restoration of the truth of the priesthood of all believers and divine healing. 1900, restoration of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the name of the Godhead bodily in water baptism. The Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. AD 1950, the restoration, revelation of the body of Christ, doctrine of laying of hands, unity and perfection and the church is to go on unto perfection. So when he's talking about the heavens are going to hold Jesus back until the times of restoration of all things, God is still restoring the church. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.